Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR, and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code 999. And bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 8-777-185-543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook slash NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. We are back. It's another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast, the first preseason edition of the Canes Corner Podcast as training camp has begun. And John Forslund, the voice of your Carolina Hurricanes, joins us. Team Grit and Team Grind were on the ice for a couple of days. It's very cool. Uh, we'll get to that name in a minute. Um, Captain Justin Williams. Should have happened a year ago. I think as much as anything, though, I just like the way they did it. They announced it. Cute video. I like it. Got to be uh, have social media in mind. But no fanfare. Here's the guy. Yeah, there's no there's no need for press conferences. There's no need for you know formal announcements like like that. Really, Adam, I think it's understated but forceful, and hopefully that's the identity the team takes on under Rod Brindamore. But I think his mind was made up a long time ago that this was the direction it was it was headed. Um, I think he was under the impression that last season this player should uh-huh. have been the captain. Uh, I think if you were to ask both Jordan Stahl and Justin Falk as they performed as co-captains, they would probably agree that uh, Williams should have been the captain last year too. So I, I think this is a is, is a tremendous uh, move for the team to just kind of uh, set that first uh, piece of news, put it to rest, but not only that, set the identity of the team, what it's going to be. And uh, I think Justin Williams is, is – well beyond deserve this and is going to be a great captain. Yeah, it's interesting about last year, uh, the day of the reveal of the rose ceremony when there was an extra rose on the uh, on the dais down at PNC Arena. Um, it was pretty obvious that some people were a little uh, frustrated by the decision. I'm not talking about any player specifically, and I do think that was first order of business uh, under a new regime to make sure that these things did not happen the way they did a year ago. 
Um, I don't know if that's learning from others' mistakes or, look, this should have been done this way a long time ago. But Jordan, rather, uh, Justin was essentially the de facto captain last year. He was yeah. the voice in the room that everybody looked to. It, it all kind of settled his way, but when unless you're the guy, then it's awfully difficult to continually take on that role. And without saying, you know, this might not be my place, I don't want to go the next yard with this comment. Um, you know, he was very honest with his depiction of last year's team, his assessment of the team when the season was over. But now he, he's, got a, he's got a totally vested claim in this in terms of his own identity and how he can help his teammates get to where they want to go and help his coach accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So um, we're not revising history here. Right. Uh, you and I talked about this at the start of last season. We both were in agreement that this was unusual, going with co-captains, not sure how it was going to work. And the one thing that I kept stressing was, you know, you're basically in the same spot they were the season before when there was no captain. Right. You know, it, it really didn't do get anything accomplished the way they wanted to. I thought it made them a faceless team. That type of identity has to get exercised out of that locker room, out of that organization. That's what they're trying to accomplish. It's a great first step, great day to do it, first day of training camp. And as you point out, suddenly get it out there you know no no big fanfare uh hopefully this is how they will go about their business under Brendan Moore you know it's what's interesting is that to me while on the surface it may not appear so I think they're very similar players and people they were no frills guys in terms of uh what they did on the ice they worked hard uh, responsible in all zones incredibly smart players uh and in terms of off the ice they never made it or make it about themselves. It's always about right. the team, but they're also both willing to take the bullets in, you know, in case somebody else, you know, did make a mistake. It was always, right. you know, that was, I mean, I remember talking to Justin after games last year where uh, it was clearly other people's mistakes and Justin wore it. Um, and that to me, that's leadership. It is. And, and they both, uh, share the same common bond of, of being winners and understanding, you know, how cliche it is to talk about it when you, when we just observe teams and talk about winning and how you have to have winning culture and all these things. It, it sounds nice, but to actually, you know, be part of it and understand as an athlete how you need to get there, both Rod Brindamore and, and Williams share that. And, and Justin's career has proven that he's a, a proven winner. He's been able to perform in, in, in Game 7 situations, <laughs> the most pressurized environments that you can get into, and, and be successful. And so what does this all mean? Well, it means that you know, these players are going to be able to uh, pass along to younger players what a standard uh, is for this team and, and how they're going to be expected to perform to win. Not just, not just joining a team as a professional and earning your contracts along the way and being, you know, part of the National Hockey League. It's part of your job to not only, you know, suit up, but to win. And that's something we never lost with, with Brenda Moore over the years. And even when you would talk to Rod about his off-ice acumen and, and how he would get himself ready to play, he would always say, well, that's just my job. Right. You guys are making a big deal out of this, but I, I see that as part of my job. And that's that's, I think, the, the, the type of culture they're looking to establish here um, under Rod as coach and now Justin as captain. I mean, that's the type of thing that can, that can help the Sebastian Ajos and, and Marty Natchez and Svechnikov and all these guys as you get down the road another 10 years 
this is just the beginning of that. So it's very important, I think, that they, they get back to that framework again because in the last nine years, this has come way off the rails. John Forsland, voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, joining us here in the Canes Corner podcast. It's another element of Williams as the captain, which is, uh, I think, unique. And maybe he's uh, got more experience in more situations than anyone else in the NHL. I mean, we we know the kind of player he is, hardworking, diligent, uh, attention to detail, all those all those things. He also has the ability to freelance, uh, as we saw with the whirling dervish assist to uh, to Jeff Skinner last year, which is still hysterical to me. Um, but how many guys like him can also relate to an Andrei Svechnikov, who is going to be in the NHL at age eighteen? Because Williams can experience we he experienced that in Philadelphia, where he's thrust on a good team. Uh, right. at age 18. So he's got all of this experience. He dealt with injuries, dealt with disappointing seasons, uh, has been traded twice. There's nothing that Justin has not seen. No, and it's important in terms of the, the, the rhythm of a season and certainly the rhythm of a rookie season when you're a teenager. You know, it, it can it can really be interesting to watch because, you know, they experience the, the ultimate high of, of making the team, which it's pretty much understood that in Svechnikov's case, he will. Uh, and then it, it starts, and it could get off to this great start, and you could never come down, and then you're considered for Rookie of the Year, or you're going to have some challenges along the way. And one of the greatest uh, aspects of Justin Williams' personality is how he's able to keep things in perspective, not get out of hand, really enjoy. He's not one of these baseline guys with, with no personality. He has a tremendous personality. Yeah. Really enjoy the winning and really understand the the implications of getting into losing habits and how you have to break those. But also having a sympathetic ear if there is a challenge where a young player is pressing and putting too much pressure on himself. He's been, like you say, he's been in that spot. And that's another thing when we get to Brindamore. Brindamore has 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 been through everything as a player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. From that young guy who came out of the scene as a St. Louis Blue directly out of college to a guy that then went to Philadelphia, had a play behind Eric Lindros, came to Carolina, was behind Ron Francis, and finally got his arms around his own team, became the most significant player in the history of this franchise as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. but also finished his career as a fourth-line center. So he he completely understands what they're going to be going through, and those relations are important for – for not only those guys to pass down, but the, the the players on the receiving end understand where it's coming from. It's coming from somebody who's been there. That's very, very important. I think they, they have that insulation right now. Uh, I, we're translate, transitioning here into Rod, and I think it's important because I think, and I wrote about it, these two guys, Williams and Brindamore, uh, for, you know, for obvious reasons, are linked. Uh, winning the Cup, playing together in 06. Again, similar styles, even though different players, uh, similar styles, similar mindsets. Uh, And I think that part of Williams uh, relishing this role as captain has a lot to do with the guy that he's the captain for. Um, I think Williams looked up to Rod. I mean, what are they, 10 years apart or something like that? Um, uh, although Justin's going to be 37 on opening night, which is still amazing to me. I hope I look uh, that good when I'm 57. Um, he's amazing. He's in, in such great You're shape. You're on your way. Yes, way. exactly. Um, but Rod, he, he, Justin said something to me yesterday. We said Rod really has found his voice. Now, I've heard. I haven't seen, uh, but I have heard 
people describe his speech yesterday mm-hmm. to training camp as yeah. being incredibly passionate and moving. But we're starting to see more of that from Rod. He has developed into uh, a guy who is very comfortable showing his emotions like that. Well, you, you don't get the opportunity to be in there to hear it. And right. uh, that's unfortunate for, for us and for fans. But the couple of times that we have been uh, privy to his his ability to speak in public and speak about himself were the two nights where he was honored to go into the Flyers Hall of Fame. That's number one. And then when 17 went to the rafters here. Yeah. And both of those speeches were remarkable. And, and certainly the one in Philadelphia, I remember when it was over, thinking to myself, you know, this guy will be an amazing head coach someday. I think if he wants to get to that place just from a motivational standpoint, because you look at him and you can see that gleam in his eye and he speaks from the heart. And there's a, there's a genuine nature of Rod Brindamore and a genuine nature of Justin Williams that have put them, I think, a, a cut above others. Uh, because, you know, obviously elite players in any sport have God-given ability, which puts them in another, mm. another realm compared to other athletes. But the, the genuine part of their personality will translate in terms of leadership if, as players. And then if they des- decide to get into coaching or run teams or whatever, they'll have that aspect of their personality that they can rally people. And, and, and don't forget that Rod has said time and time again that one of the coaches uh, that had one of the biggest impacts on him was Peter Laviolette, who has the same quality of being able to kind of motivationally translate an idea and rally men to kind of get to the common goal. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves because Rod's just starting his career. <laughs> but but I but but really when I just from watching the two days of practice, you know, you look for things. You just look for okay, how's this going to go? You look for little glitches maybe in terms of him running the practice. You look for little things that would be natural that are going to pop up and say, well, that's a first-year guy running his first camp ever. You can expect that, but it's been organized. It's been fast. It's been at a high tempo. It's been real. His teaching has made sense in what we can hear, what you can, what you, how you see the players trying to apply themselves. They all get the drills. He, he has a tremendous work ethic, as we know, as an athlete. But what the fans don't really know is what kind of work ethic he's had as a coach. I've been able to see him as an assistant coach, and as an assistant, you're just a soldier, right. whether it be for Kirk Muller or Bill Peters, and you have to carry out your marching orders for the guy you're supporting. But behind the scenes, he did all the diligence to get himself in a position to someday be able to do all of this. So for me, in my opinion, after two days, it's been an A+. plus Because it's been organized, it's had direction, it's had tempo, it's had a tremendous amount of passion. And the last thing I think is what's really needed with this group, because this team and this organization and its fan base have to rebuild something here. This is a very important season. If it doesn't happen, uh, there, there could be ramifications down the road that won't be good. So this is a very important turning point for a franchise, and why not have this guy as the, as the individual that has, has put his hand up to say, I can, I can help here and I want to make it work. And uh, so far I, I, I believe they're going to be headed down that path. Yeah, it, to me, this is what I see from Rod, and I don't pretend to be friends with Rod. I have spoken to him uh, an, a ton. Uh, he's going back to uh, when he first got out of playing and became a coach, uh, you know, the last, well, what, eight or nine years, however long it's been. I've gotten to know Rod fairly well 
uh, you know, in terms of what his motivations are uh, in the sport. And to me, this seems like more than just a head coaching opportunity. This is very personal to him. Um, And when it becomes personal, there is just that extra level that you are willing to do uh, and willing to give, I think. I mean, Justin has talked about that to me, and I've talked about this with Eric Cole uh, regarding Rod, um, that I I think it's going to work because of a lot of things, but also because yeah. of that. And that's – maybe maybe that's the most important aspect of all of this because in making this decision to get to the next coach, you could have gone a variety of different ways. And, and you, Tom Dundon could have gone out and, and, and plucked the, you know, whoever it would be with the big resume, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Stanley Cups, with the, the, the high price, the, the, the high salary, whatever the, whatever the case is, and all the credentials needed to say this is the best head coach. But that coach, whoever that is, would not have the attachment to the organization and the area that Rod Brindamore has. So when Rod basically said, give me a shot at this, I can do this, this is something that, that he truly believes not only can he do, but it's important that he does. And I think that's going to be a, a big key because, again, we're getting to intangible things. And in order for the Carolina Hurricanes, this addition to make the playoffs, they have to check so many boxes. The only intangible that's going to help them, in my opinion, get to the, that place is that the drive to make to be successful and to make it work. And, and maybe that will be enough to overcome some of the deficiencies and challenges they're going to run into. It's not a perfect storm here. The roster is not set completely mm-hmm. uh, perfectly to, to make the playoffs. To be fair, it's going to be a team that's going to have a hard time getting in. But I really believe that the spirit that will, that will be uh, surrounding this team might, might be enough to build the momentum in the right direction and get them to where they want to go. Let's, let's not, let's not wait then. I want to talk about to me, the number one thing that will determine whether or not they are a playoff team. And that's goaltending. Um, Scott Darling was obviously not good last year. We all understand the year, the toughness uh, of his first year in Carolina. And Tom Dundon said, uh, in a conversation I had with him, which I don't believe was broadcast, that the best goalie they could have, they could get in the offseason, uh, barring plucking a legit number one goaltender, would be a better version of Scott Darling. I'm not going to debate one way or the other, but that was his <clears throat> opinion uh, to me. They add Peter Mrazek, who a few years ago was an excellent starting goaltender for Detroit and has fallen on hard times. Um, if they get credible goaltending, they don't have to have great goaltending. Just credible goaltending. I think they have a chance. No, they have a they have a great chance. They have a great chance, you know, with 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 good goaltending. And I still think it's going to have to be good. Um, you know, I, I I don't think it can afford to be average. I think again, okay. you're you're asking for an intangible to jump up because I, I really believe every time it gets to average or below, then there's going to be questions, and and questions can can bog down a team. Players will say um, that. The, the distraction we don't deal with or we don't hear, but I think that's unrealistic. I think they do. So this is like having the court or the hole at quarterback and, and not filling it completely. The question will never go away. So the, the, that position has to be fortified. Whoever decides to step up, if both can do it, great. 
um, in, in my opinion, the guy that has the, the best chance of, of, of getting this thing where it needs to be is Morozik. I, I think because he's been a one mm-hmm. and because of his talent, he's, he's, he's got an unbelievable um, level of ability that just needs to be harnessed a little bit. And maybe mentally he got sidetracked a little bit because he got ahead of himself. He's 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 always been a winner. I mean, he was a world junior phenom. That's what put him on the mm-hmm. map. And he's a Calder Cup winner in the American Hockey League. And he, he put Detroit on his back in his best days and carried that team. Yeah. But along the way, he lost it with Detroit. Maybe lost some confidence. Um, positionally, was out of whack with Philadelphia at the end, although incredibly great in the three games when he first got there. <laughs> right. It looked like they figured out their goaltending. Um, so I think he comes in with this, uh, you know, million and a half, one year commitment to prove that he can actually do this and get the back back to where he needs to be. Darling can then, if that happens, kind of do what he needs to do best, which is to be a great follow up to him, get his career back to where it needs to be, without having all the undue pressure of being analyzed every single game. Right. So I think in order for Scott Darling to have success, Peter Morozik has to be successful. Because if Morozik is a bust, then all the pressure goes to Darling again. And no matter how much weight he's lost and what his conditioning is, you know, there are technical things within his game that have to be rectified. And if they are, great. But the last step, as we talked about before the beginning of last season, was can he make the mental adjustment from being a, yeah. a very good two in the NHL to being the quintessential one? And it, and it didn't happen. So this is a, a, a tandem. And for the box to be checked, and you're absolutely right, goaltending will put this team in a position to make the playoffs. I think they both have to do uh, what they need to do. And I would like to see Morozik take the first step because then I think it'll be easier for Darling to make a strong contribution. John Forslund joining us here on the Canes Corner podcast. Uh, You and I were texting yesterday. I haven't had a chance to head down to practice yet. I will get there on Sunday. And I don't want to read too much into combinations in practice. you got Team Grit. And you got team grind, and yeah. I think we all love that just because it's fun. Yeah. Um, but I do think that uh, with, uh, at least initially, dividing Teravine and Anaho, maybe to take Teravine in more so than Sebastian, uh, out of his comfort zone playing with, uh, with his friend uh, and putting a little bit of onus on him to take another step forward uh, as kind of an independent good player, uh, I like that. And it also has shown some level of confidence in both Svechnikov, because he had him playing with Aho and Natchez, who was centering the uh, McGinn and Teravainen. That that is that's heady stuff for two teenagers who will be part of this team. You know, Adam, there's a lot of stuff in play here with line combinations this early. Um, the fact that they have a game on Tuesday and another one on Wednesday has something to do with how they're going to put these lines in place because in order to play, a, as you know, a preseason game, you have to have X amount of NHL players of experience, right. and then you have to have X amount of prospects you know, to complete a game roster. So they're going to have a little bit of that. The other thing about what we've seen so far is the, the, um, the, the step and the leap of faith to get to Ajo as a center, which because of Victor Rask's injury, I think they have to <laughs> anyway. But, right. you know, I think Rod to be fair, was leaning more towards starting the year as a, a, a wing position for Ajo as opposed to being a center right off the hop. Ajo wants to play center, and they're putting him there to see how that works. And then I, I, I believe Michael Furland is the other guy who's been playing with Sechnikov yep. and Ajo. And for me, I think 
Rod knows in the back of his mind, and he did address it a little bit after you know Friday's workout, is that as the preseason evolves, the lines will then take you know a clearer picture of what they're going to look like for the NHL team. I think he wants to see how Ferlin looks there, just because I think Karavainen might be the fit to jump up again with Aho, because I'd have a hard time breaking up Aho and Karavainen. <laughs> and then maybe Furlan's the guy that completes the line, goes to the net, provides the edge that those two dancers need. But at some point, too, the last thing about this is that the two rookies, Svechnikov and Natchez, both need insulation, whoever they play with. Mm-hmm. So it'll be important, you know, whether Svechnikov stays with Aho and Furlan on a line like this, or if Svechnikov ends up playing as alongside Stahl and Williams, that might be something they look to do because the experience helping an 18-year-old. And then Natchez now, who is a third center because of that injury, um, and I think he can do it. But to be fair, again, he's a rookie player, and you have to give them a little room to have their challenges. You know, then you have somebody, you know, like McGinn, who can play in that wing, or maybe terrifying it, or maybe it's somebody else that drops down there to kind of insulate him. I'd be shocked to see Natchez and, and Svechnikov play together at least at the outset of the season, that would be too much to ask. According to the scouting report, Svechnikov is uh, is muscle in and of his own self uh, because he is kind of a power yeah. player. But uh, to, to me, looking at the makeup of the roster and knowing that Furland played uh, a lot last year in a top line with uh, Goudreau and Monaghan and players like that uh, in Calgary and Jordan Martinook is here and we know what Brock McGinn brings I'd be surprised if there wasn't an element of physicality on every single line Carolina put on the ice. Well, and again, as uh, you know, people would get cynical with the training camp names of the teams. That's probably something people can have fun with or whatever. But I think it's very important to note that you know that's what they're attempting to get to. They're attempting to get to a team that basically has been very soft and very easy to play against. Mm-hmm. To a team that will grit and grind its way through games. And that's like I pointed out in our conversations over the last few years, you don't have to be 6'4", 235 pounds to be tough to play against. Sebastian Ajo is tough to play against. He He's elusive. He's tough yeah. to contain. He, he competes hard. Terravine has made some steps. He's not completely there yet. But if they can get that across to the team as, uh, you know, this is another thing we have to add then that's another box that will be checked because uh, organizationally they have to get better that way. And if they can put a guy on each line, that will provide that. And and what I've seen in the two days is a a lot of drills that reinforce net drive, going to the net, staying there. Um, There are a few few players who are are willing to do that now as just part of the M.O., not just something that happens on a sporadic basis, but part of the M.O. game in and game out that you're actually going to have a presence and, and make it difficult on the goalie, make it difficult on the opponent's uh, defense because you're going to have somebody there. Ferlin brings it. McGinn will, will definitely take another step. You know, they, they have a lot of options, I think. Zekoff, as a young player, will he, will he be able to use the frame that he has and, mm-hmm. and do that? And uh, as we go along in the preseason, there'll be other names that we'll, we'll, we'll get to because those are areas that, um, uh, that absolutely have to change for the team to be considered, you know, in that playoff mix. Now, last year, we'll, cl- we'll close on this. Last year, they claimed going into training camp that there were so many spots open, and there really weren't. Uh, those spots were all basically spoken for. Um, this year, I think, is very different. I mean, I, we have to assume yeah. that Svechnikov and Natures are making the team. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that. Uh, right. It doesn't leave. Uh, I mean, it. There are probably 
Uh, in terms of top 12 skaters, there are probably four spots available. You know, the who who's going to be the fourth center? Uh, we understand Victor Rask's kitchen injury. Uh, but then yeah. you've got Lucas Walmark, and you've got forwards and uh, Zikoff and DiGiuseppe and Martinuk and uh, uh, Fogel and y- y- Yanni Kuokinen, who made the team last yeah. year. Uh, Sarrell. They've got a lot of names that is going to create great competition for uh, for those final spots in the roster. Well, there's this Saku Mainalainen, right? If I'm pronouncing it correctly, sure, He's close enough. Player. You know that that uh, I'll tell you what he's a big body presence, and he goes to the net. And he's got an edge to him that, from what I've seen in two days, so they're going to give him every opportunity to turn one of those spots too. Yeah, you know every team will say it. The, 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 you'll hear the same things year in and year out. We're in the best shape of our lives. There's healthy internal competition. The push is on for jobs. You know what? A lot of that is BS, and. And with this team, if you, when you get you know around a team again and get in the room and see some of the changes that they've made, just in terms of what's on the walls, for what it's worth, uh, it's all about earning your opportunity, you know, earning your chance. And even though we can say that Natchez and Svechnikov have been penciled in only because of their abilities and only because this team still needs it, when you surrender a goal scorer like right. Jeff Skinner, they're still going to be challenged to score. That's why those two are there. But those two will have to earn whatever they get because there are others who will be pushing for this. And you can see there's a competitive fire. And if the players believe that you have to earn it is real, because every team will say it, but then there's always those conversations players have with each other. They're like, yeah, well, this is, this is meaningless because I'm going to the minor league camp anyway. Right. I'm just putting my time in. But they honestly believe that it's about earning the respect it's about earning your position. It's about earning a chance to be a hurricane. Those are the things that Rod's trying to accomplish. He's trying to get to that type of culture, which uh, is easier said than done. But the only way to do it is to is to make sure that the players understand that, you know, there it is. So uh, you look at the defense, and, and sure, it's a great defense, mm-hmm. and everything's kind of set. But then there's a, a healthy competition for number seven. Yep. And, and maybe a chance to be number six, and 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 all those guys, uh, Flurry and Carrick and and McEwen and Jake Bean, who has to have a real good training camp to even get an opportunity mm-hmm. to to be around this team as a first round pick. Um, you know that, that that that's important in terms of driving your team to where it wants to go and that that earning respect of roster spots. And and to be fair, again, I think every year we've kind of taken our seats there during training camp, and you can write it down. It doesn't matter who plays with who, but you can basically come up with the team. And I think there's some some questions this year. There'll be just a few spots, but there's there's questions, and even in the net, even in the right. net, there's there's going to be a push, and there'll be a push between. Alex Nadelgovic and Callum Booth yep. to be the guy in Charlotte. And because Booth has looked good in the two days. Um, so you're going to have that, that goalie push. And, and they also see a team with struggling goaltenders last year. And maybe those two young kids understand that they have to have a great training camp to kind of make an impression if they have any chance to kind of push for a position right now. I don't think it would be right now, but that's, that's the depth of that very important position that they have. There's two young goalies behind the two that are question marks. So you have competition all over the place. Uh, we're, a lo- we're looking forward to just seeing games starting on Tuesday. 
uh, and we'll have you on the radio. So uh, I thank you very much, John Forzen. I will see you at the rink very soon, uh, and we'll uh, we'll speculate even more as we get closer to the start of things. All right, Adam. Sounds good. Look forward to seeing you. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan. Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR, and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code 999 and bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 8-777-185-543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook slash NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license.